Hello and welcome to the Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. I am your host. Today we have Sarah Kyes, who is an ultra runner and a ultra endurance coach. She has a vast knowledge and has been in the sport for a couple of years now and has seen tremendous improvement, including her most recent top 15 finish at Western States, which is one of the most grueling and intense races and competitive ultra races uh, that is a hundred miles. So we talk about a lot uh, how to improve over the course of the years in ultra sport and some of the pitfalls that people might fall into and some of the ways to kind of navigate the ups and downs of that training, which was super interesting, uh, getting the insight of someone who's been in the sport for a while and who also coaches that. So if you're preparing for some of the longer events this year for the obstacle for obstacle course racing, or if you just have ultras on the plan, you're going to get a ton of great knowledge out of this particular episode. Plus, we get into some nerdy nuts and bolts toward the end of the episode, so make sure you stick around for that when we're talking about some blood work and we talk about the uh, glucose monitor and just some different things you kind of do to really take your training to the next level. We talk about altitude training and how to kind of uh, adapt to that without being at altitude. So. Really, really cool stuff. So make sure you stick around to the end to hear all of that. And if you are interested in Inside Tracker, I do have a link down in the show notes just for you to kind of take a look at. We talk about that pretty extensively in this episode. So take a look at it and see if that's something that would be beneficial to you because I think it would. I think it would really help. Also, there's been a quick break on Torque Talks on Thursday. They will be returning. We just needed a quick vacay, quick vacay when it comes to the Torque Talk stuff, but Torque is still cruising forward make sure to be on the lookout for them for west virginia on this coming weekend so a lot of that coming up so i appreciate you guys as always thank you for your time thank you for listening now let's just get into it sarah kais all right we're on sarah kais how are you today i'm doing great just did a bike ride and feeling good how long was that how long was the ride uh, a little over 30 miles, I think, but it was gravel. So a little bit, um, a little bit, a little bit harder work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Up here, there's a lot of, we live in the Adirondacks and there's, um, there's some good dirt road riding, but it's like, we call our gravel road, like it's big gravel. Like it's not nice crushed dirt road typically. So. <laughs> oh, got it. Got it. And is <laughs> yeah. that like, what, what are those roads? What are those roads like like how uh, what do they exist for in that around a lot of times they're like sometimes they're logging roads or they're like just an access for like a conservation easement maybe or or some of them are typically like a um snowmobile trail that maybe we use mm. as a gravel tra- you know trail um some are old railroad line that the ties have been removed from um and then just you know like camp roads and stuff like that but yeah so it's a lot of sand and then like large rock or and there's some nice stuff too but it makes for an adventure yeah yeah, yeah totally <laughs> yeah. um well i'm i'm pumped to have have you on today i'm really looking forward to, to picking your brain about some things and uh, i figured we'd start with uh western states which is a race that's like one of the most prestigious race races in the ultra world and we can kind of talk about what it is a little bit but i think most people <laughs> are going to be familiar um and like we already mentioned you're in the adirondacks or in the east coast and it seems like mm. When you race on the East Coast, like you do really well, like you, it seems like you're definitely one of the top ultra athletes on the trails in the the Northeast in general. And then going out into Western States, which is, you know, a big competitive race. Uh, this year, you finished twelfth overall in uh, about twenty one forty seven. Is that right? Twenty one hours yeah. and forty seven minutes, which yep. was an an incredibly big improvement from what I saw like your previous attempt at it, which was in two thousand seventeen, where you took thirty yeah. fifth overall and and twenty eight hours. So like. It seems like you're doing something right. It seems like like a <laughs> tremendous amount of, even if the yeah. conditions aren't apples, like the, the improvement of place really shows that whatever you're putting in it is, is 
is showing up well. So uh, what do you attribute that big uh, improvement in, in that in that specific race to? Sure, I can give you a little background too. So like, as you mentioned, Western States is certainly probably like, I would put that in UTMB in the like, World Cup level for ultra running type event, um, you know, or Super Bowl or whatever you want to call it. And um, so in 2017, I got a um, sponsor entry. And so was like psyched and did the race and had a really tough day ended up walking the last 20 plus miles and it took forever um which was still a good experience i'm glad i finished it glad i walked it in regardless um and then uh so this time around and at that point in 2017 so I've been ultra running probably since I think 2014 or so but even in those first couple of years that I was ultra running um had not done 100 that western states that year was my second 100 um mm. so had a lot to learn still at that point I guess and um you know like going out there where it's extremely hot and how to like handle those conditions and um you know, run a course that's considered pretty runnable, I guess, coming from the, you know, the Northeast where our trails are, you know, there's a lot of, um, I like to joke and say that like any running or mountain biking in the Adirondack is really just hiking. <laughs> but it, it kinda, like the way kind of things yeah. kind of wind around, like it's so overcut, like so many rocks and roots and things like yeah. that. They very, are very much technical. different. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but uh, so in 2017, I, I wasn't really prepared necessarily for the heat and my, my feet got super macerated. There was a huge snow year, which I was actually psyched about because I, you know, here run on some snow in the winter and, and, and good with that, but had a, had a tough day. My feet were destroyed. Um, and so, like I said, I walked it in. And then this year um, I won a golden ticket through uh, Black Canyon in uh, outside of Phoenix, Arizona. Mm -hmm. um, and decided to do you know take the ticket and do western states again um and you know it's funny because a lot of folks have said to me you know what a you know wonderful outcome you did great and actually i had a really tough day this year also <laughs> and did not feel good um and was ready to drop out at forest hill actually um like came into the aid station telling my crew that i was done and i wasn't going to go on um and then took how, some how time, far into the know. race is is that stop is that point? Forest, Forest Hill is at 100K mark, so uh, okay. like 62 miles. And it's okay. one of the big ones because it's accessible for, for crews very easily to get to you. Um, you know, it's where a lot of people go just to spectate and watch the race because it's, like again, easy to get to. Um, and it's a point where people say, like, the race doesn't start until you get to Forest Hill because at that point, like, you've gone through <clears throat> the canyon section in the high country, but you're coming to Cal Street, which is this long downhill, very easy to like blow yourself up, you know, running too quickly at that point, because you still have 38 miles. Mm. Um, but at that point, I was like, I'm done. My feet also were pretty destroyed this time around. Um, and I laid on the ground and cried. <laughs> and my, my crew like <laughs> took off my shoes, taped up my feet, put on some new stuff. And, uh, you know, basically we we're like, look, like we're just going to try, like just go down the hill. If it feels bad, you can walk back and, and call it a day at that point. And then I actually started to feel better. Um, I was able to run pretty much the rest of the race, which was exciting. So then I was able to make up some spots and, and finish, um, you know, in a time that, you know, it's, it, I'm psyched that I did it. Um, it was my like, C goal was just to finish under 24 hours. Um, obviously, A being like trying to have the perfect day, you know, and, and, and do well and B being, um, you know, more realistic where, you know, I think 
I have still a little bit of unfinished business there. I think I'm capable of a better finishing position, um, but it, that's all part of the game, you know, so. And yeah. you, you, you mentioned, well, like first thing, you're like, all right, they're both tough days. Are there not tough days in a hundred <laughs> milers or is, is there like yeah. ever going to be the, the cruising all the way through type of feeling? <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, I think um, in a hundred, it's always a tough day, but yeah. I do think uh, there are, you know, like I was able to, like I said this year, I was able to run most of the last, you know, and, and run it at like 10 minute pace, right? Like, it's not like you're, you're not doing anything blisteringly fast. Although I think my last mile was like in the eight minute range on pavement, you know, nice. which is great. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, so being able to finish feeling strong like that was really exciting, you know, and, and I felt, you know, good and that I was able to still run is a good thing. Um, because if you can, you know, run those like slight uphill grades at the end of a race of that distance, like you're going to move way faster um, than somebody's just walking, you know, or, or trying to hike. So, yeah. right. Like, and the variance between how different people feel that late, like the, the pace per mile is probably minutes at a yeah. time, like how, how much be better or worse you could feel. And yeah. you mentioned, you know, you started, you did your first uh, Western States after about three years of kind of ultra running. And then, <laughs> so you've had, another, you know, five or so, four to five years since that last attempt, 2017. And do you, do you think it's just amassing more volume over that much time that has helped? Or is there anything in particular, like, and I think with like the feet, right? Like that seemed to be something that was common on both ends. It's like, yeah. how do you even yeah. prepare for, for your yeah. feet to not get ruined? Yeah. I mean, so like the first part of that question, yes, I think, um, consistency over years is necessary to be able to, um, you know, feel strong and run at the end of a hundred mile race, you know, I think for anybody, I think, um, that's a huge part of ultra running, especially at that distance is trying to just, you know, yeah, accumulate the stress on your body, you know, over, over mm -hmm. years, not just like months. Um, but yeah, like, so learning the tricks of the trade, as far as like the feet thing, like I probably messed that one up again, <laughs> you know, and, and that happens, right? Like, um, I should have taped my feet more extensively, probably, right from the get-go um you know I, I this i experienced blisters in new places this race that i hadn't had before but like hmm. i know that my feet are, are susceptible to feeling that way so i probably should have just taped the entire bottom of my foot you know like that's sort because of, you can always take it off right like that's something yeah. I tell my athletes like you know just go ahead and tape because you can if it's bothering you, you just stop and take it off you know especially in a race of that distance but like that's true you know, and instead of like getting to the point where I was in pain and then like troubleshooting, I should have just taped them to begin with, like completely. I did tape some of my toes that I like my blister, my baby toes. I know always blister, you know, like, so I taped those, but that wasn't enough. <laughs> when, when learning about like how to care for, cause I mean, that's one thing that I struggle with when in, in trying to like help someone who's preparing for an ultra. Cause I don't, I don't live that right. Like I don't train that way that often. I've done like one, uh, one training block to get myself ready for like a 50 K OCR or whatever. Right. But then like, as I've talked to more like ultra distance athletes, uh, it seems like everybody has something different that goes wrong. <laughs> like yeah. it's hard to really kind of tell like, Oh, this will probably happen because most people have this happen to them. But like, even just the example you gave is like, yeah, I know that this toe and this toe usually blister and then uh, just so happens this run this race, whatever, if it's like the conditions, like how dry it was, with the whatever it was, like, you blistered somewhere else. And it's like, yeah. you kind of have to learn these things too, as you kind of go yeah. on. 
when you're training, are you ever, ever able to, to get to the point where it's like simulated how you might feel on like, I mean, a hundred's yeah. a, a pretty drastic example, right? But like in some of these longer race events, like, are you getting to that point in training that you can kind of figure out where things might go wrong? Yeah. So like, that's a question people ask me a lot. It's like, what's the longest training run you do in a block leading up to like a hundred mile distance. Right. And, um, so for myself and, and that's something too, like with an athlete, we build up to doing, um, a longer race in preparation for a long race, you know? So like a hundred kilometer race is a great mm. event to test these things out. Um, you know, during the pandemic, obviously too, I had athletes that were just running their own hundred K like looped courses from home in their local park, you know, that sort of stuff. And so those, and I try to give, you know, if people can't, because people are busy and have kids and stuff happening. So it's mm -hmm. like, if you are training for 100, or say we're even just doing a 50 mile um, race, I'll have them do a 50k, uh, you know, leading up to it, even just on their own from home, you know, like where you set up your own aid station, and you simulate exactly what is it going to be like, you know, after I run, like, I feel great for 15 miles. But when I get to 25, like, <laughs> I don't feel so good. And maybe that's mm -hmm. nutrition and what works for you and what doesn't, um, you know, like, right, gear obviously i tell people to start using their gear as soon as they can you know like doing most of your runs with a vest on if you're going to be wearing a vest um for a longer distance race or i think it's a very good skill to be able to run with a handheld because it's a, like kind of annoying you know like you have to mm -hmm. learn how to switch it and like um you know it doesn't really it can mess with your gait obviously you know depending on how big it is and but being able to run with two handhelds or just one is probably a really good skill to work on because it is kind of annoying um but yeah those are all things that i suggest people do um all the time and that way you get used to like if you like like a tailwind product or something like that you use it all the time you know like even if you're only going out for 90 minutes like take some nutrition with you so that you can like train your gut you know to take that stuff in and it's very practical. It's like practical ways to kind of go about like learning how to do it. Even if it's just simple, it's like, are you going for a 45 minute run where it's not that hot, yeah. bring a water bottle anyway. It's something that like, yeah, you just wouldn't want to do. It's just like a little annoying. It's like right. a little more annoying than it, than it could be just a regular normal run. Right. Um, so yeah. And, and that makes sense. Like to get those longer races and preparations for the, the longest races. Um, and then it kind of puts you in that race type, uh, scenario as well. Yeah. Um, when it and when it comes to some, something along similar along these lines, where you know we're trying to figure out what might go wrong, is kind of what we were talking about mm -hmm. in terms of like you know your feet or your gut or yeah. whatever type of issues like that you're out there for long enough. Like what's going to go wrong, so you can kind of figure out how that is. Um, is there other ways to kind of figure out what is the most important area of focus for? And for like, for like yourself, when it comes to, to training, right. Cause you're, you'll probably be more dialed in with how things feel from a physical standpoint and from like your fitness standpoint mm -hmm. is like, how do you know where you need to kind of develop more or less fitness? Or is it all kind of the same where it's like, everything needs to be aerobic. The body needs to like, be able to take this beating or are there right. places where you need to kind of like fit in different styles of like training? Yeah. So, I mean, like if I'm going to train someone, um, to do even like a 50 mile race, for example, um, we're going to work through different training blocks. And typically, um, I think like most folks would agree with the, our coaches, you start with the weaknesses first as the farther out you are from your race day. Right. So like if I'm starting six months out with someone, we're going to start, um, trying to increase, you know, our aerobic threshold 
at that point, right? So it's doing maybe some interval work, you know, and short, quick stuff, like, and also mm -hmm. like to get them used to working with a coach. A lot of folks I work with have never had a coach before. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's, it's new for them, right? To like figure out how we're gonna work together and fit it into their lifestyle. Um, and so we start usually with a block of actually kind of high intensity work um, to kind of work on that fitness and then go into more tempo stuff and then go into more specificity right for your race course um, closer to the end where you're doing long, you know, longer days and it's hopefully as close to what you'd be experiencing on race day as possible. So it's like, if it's a super technical course, we're trying to get you somewhere that's, you know, technical. If it's not, and it's more like a smooth dirt road, hopefully that's what you're doing your long runs on. Um, so yeah, I mean, we do that. I would say, you know, personally for myself, um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I try to work on, it depends on the event, right? So like for Western States, you know, it's, it's can be pretty fast too in places. Um, and, you know, and I knew for me, like I was going to try to be competitive, um, but the ladies did so great this year and just like totally took it over um, and went right out. Like I, but I did work on um, like going into Black Canyon, I worked on speed quite a bit actually, um, even though it's a hundred K distance, I was doing a lot of interval work before that race, hmm. which I think did wonders for me actually. Um, cause that's a really runnable course too. It does get technical farther into it. It's like, so the latter half is the more technical half. Um, and so I was able to like, you know, get out front and like use my speed early on and then kind of rely on my background of technical running for the latter half. So. That's interesting because yeah. I like what you said about like starting athletes out with some like speed stuff and because like they'll get faster and they'll be like, cool, this is working. Yeah. <laughs> so I like sure. that from that perspective too. It's like, okay, yeah. great. I know like if I do this, this, and this, that makes sense. But eventually, you know, you do have to kind of move into things that they're going to be doing on that race. Um, yeah. But in your, in your case, like working on specific like speed, the, what, what's the idea behind that? Right. Is it like from, is it to improve your efficiency or just like how it makes like the relative pace feel easier for you? And, and are you doing like really fast stuff like quarters and like two hundreds or is it more? Cause I mean, any speed work for an ultra run race, like, like anything faster than like your easy run is speed work. Right. Like, so there's like a yeah. lot of different gears in between, yeah. but like, yeah. where do you kind of, where, where have you found like is like the best bang for your, for your buck? Um, so, I mean, so for me, actually, so to be totally honest, before Black Canyon, they only released that they were going to be able to put the race on about like five weeks before the race date. And so I was actually training for maybe like a road marathon because I did, was like, I don't know what I'm going to do this year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's why I was doing a lot of speed work, really. But it nice. transitioned great, actually. So and where we so where we live here in the Adirondacks, too, you know, I run mostly road throughout the winter only because, you know, the trails are, are snow packed and you have to... Um, use skis or snowshoes, you know, here on our, in our mountains, like it's a, uh, kind of a regulation. So I run a lot of road, but, um, mm -hmm. and so I tend to increase my cadence and form gets a little bit, you know, more efficient through the winter anyway. Um, but yeah, so I work on that sort of thing in order to increase efficiency. Um, and I find, you know, like, I really like the short, like one minute repeat type stuff. I really enjoy because I think it's just fun and it's a good like t amount of time that you can work pretty hard um, and then recover. But um, yeah, so it all it kind of all depends. Like uh, I go through 
short, quick stuff. And sometimes I add in, I mean, for most of my athletes, I start adding in strides at the end of like mm -hmm. two to three of their runs a week from the beginning, pretty much. Um, and I'll do those on like short hills too, for folks usually right away. Um, that, you know, actually running uphill and, you know, probably creates less force on the body. So less risk of injury. Um, and it kind of works as strength work too, for some people, you know, so, yeah. um, so we do a lot of that and I do that a lot of that in my running too, like at the end of a run or the last like third of a run, I'll do, you know, just like five sets of 20 second strides. Um, and I, I like that idea, right? Like that makes sense to me too, because it seems it's just like a minimal amount of dose dosage. Right. Yeah. So, and, and that's, and that's, there, there's gotta be a point with the amount of volume that you're doing. maybe you're, you're, cause you've been doing this, you know, for like, seven, eight years or so, probably building and building volume, as we said, going on the way. So maybe you are able to uh, do more speed and be able to recover and still keep your volume up. Mm -hmm. But it seems like there's a point where the recoverability needs to be like the priority and doing things like short yeah. strides, like you're not going to get beat up too much right. from that. Exactly. But doing like mile repeats might be like, it's tougher. Too yeah. Much. So, yeah. Um, and I have found so I've done some training with um, a woman named Chloe Lanthier. She's actually based out of Chamonix, but she's from, she's French Canadian. She's from uh, Montreal area, but lives in Chamonix now. And she offers some wonderful, actually like online workshop uh, for coaches, but also just athletes of any, any ability. Um, and she also like contract works with like NASA and some other really cool programs doing like biomechanic work. She has a PhD in biomechanics, but. Sounds, um, sounds smart. Yeah. And, and yeah. the training, it's an interesting outlook also, cause it's more of a European, uh, based training program, you know, like, well, she's, and she is European. So now at this point, so, um, it, it's interesting to see all the different kind of viewpoints of like a, from a coaching perspective and, and an athlete perspective of how to train and, and these kind of concepts we're talking about. Um, but from, she also recommends, you know, doing drills all the time, you know, after mm. every run, you know, for, for runners, even ultra runners that are on trail, um, and maybe not, you know, working on speed at the time, but doing those sorts of drills that work on cadence and form and mental strength too. Um, cause I would like to talk about that actually is like, I think after a 50 K distance, most of what you're doing is mental, you know, fortitude basically. Right. Um, totally. like I think it's easy to, I do think you can run a 50 K without being mentally in it at all and finish and be fine. But I think after that point, like you need to you know, there's some mental like work that goes into that. But so anyway, so back to the stride stuff. Um, I prescribe strides a lot for my athletes because it works on a neuromuscular level too to create these ideas that yeah, my body can go this fast um, because the brain is so powerful. Powerful, right? It like kind of puts a stop on some things that you're like, oh, I can't go any faster than this or this is uncomfortable. But when you do them in those short spouts, it um, kind of trains the brain to create that connection with the, the legs that says, Oh yeah, I can go at this pace, but you know, hmm. it's not an extended period. And it kind of starts creating that connection for people. Yeah. It allows it just lets you know you're safe. You know, if like yeah. you do a little bit at times, like, Oh, I'm safe. I can keep, keep pushing this. And yeah. I like that idea with the, with like the coordination, right. And the coordination yeah. is something that we don't think of for running because it's not necessarily a highly athletic endeavor. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing those drills, it's just going to make everything a little bit easier. It's going to make things a little, yep. make you a little bit more coordinated and going through. What'd you say her name was? Chloe Lanthier. Yeah. Okay. Cause I should say, I should mention too, like, you know, I, 
I preach all these things, right? But like I was taught these things too, right? So it's like, I'm not the expert. She's the expert <laughs> that has taught oh, me. Oh, totally. Um, you know, and, and we're, we're all like that. Yeah. Right? right? But um, yeah, and so she was the one that like made me think, right, like people that play soccer and baseball and like all these other kind of sports, they, oh, they're they so used to doing drills. And I think track athletes are probably very used to doing um, running drills with every practice. And you know, I think we just don't as trail runners. I was not taught that, you know, so, um, right. I think it's really important, you know, you, especially how competitive something like ultra is getting, you got to take cues from these other sports where there's already a really competitive outlet yeah. and like they're dialing things in as much as they can. And like, you got to take that and put it in. Cause like, yeah, running is the main thing. That's what you're going to be doing. But at a certain point to move the needle the most, you got to like try other you know, things that have been tested. And I think it, you know, it works well, you know, like, cause a lot of folks ask about like downhill running and like, how do you make up time running downhill? Cause it's could be technical. Um, and it works, you know, for OCR too, right? Like you're out there, um, on some pretty technical terrain at times, like on a ski mountain or something that's uneven ground. Um, and so these drills help create these general pathways also for that type of, of stuff. Um, you know, I think, in, or even just body awareness of like where you are in space when you're going through these obstacles, um, doing these, you know, these sorts of drills, like skipping and um, running backwards and like different things mm. that just like challenge the body in a different way. Yeah. And you, like you also mentioned, it's about like challenging the mind and like yeah. developing that, that mental strength that comes along with that. Yeah. Is that something that you've been like, like you've, you must've added drills, right? Like at a point you, you weren't doing drills, then you're doing drills to like, improve on the coordination of things and the skill of, of running is there something along those lines that you've done for the mental strength or has it just been like building calluses by spending a lot of time out there or are there like specific things to do to like help with that right right i think it's a combination right like um certainly you know i think people identify with like there's something about like being in the mountains that makes you like it makes you feel like a badass, right? Like you're out there, like it's challenging. It's kind of wild. It's like the weather is not always ideal. And I think those sorts of things, um, you know, in the moment might seem awful, right? But in the end, they're definitely character building. Um, and I think it's the same with running, you know, I think, and I think getting a coach actually helps people become accountable. And like, so those days where the weather isn't good, they're like, I have to go out and run in this today. It's like, so mm. doing that is something that works, you know, the mental side of stuff. But I do think, um, you know, visualization is pretty important. I try to, you know, have my athletes do some of that at times, as far as like, sometimes it's to build confidence back, like maybe they've um, had an injury, they fell or like, something happened. I broke my own, my ankle, um, in 2019. And so I worked and did some visualization about like running downhill and feeling confident again. Um, you know, that that ankle was going to support me no matter what. And it wasn't actually like in the moment of running, it was like, I'd maybe be out on a bike ride and I'd stop and I'd look at a hill and I'd just picture myself running down it, you know, huh. that sort of stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was just having a conversation, uh, about, something similar to this and just talking about visualization and like the practice itself, right? Because it's easy to like understand that visualization is important, but then like putting mm -hmm. it in the practice, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's harder because like you can do it at any time, but because that it'd be real easy to not do it as well. Right. Yeah. Like you can just always like steamroll like your thoughts with other thoughts and just like yeah. screwing around on your phone or whatever. So like, when yeah. I have like, I have like a visualization practice before 
a race that is like very intensive where I'll like sit mm. and write everything out. Yeah. Um, and that's like the most, um, like dedicated time I'll put toward visualization, but how does, how does that work in your practice? Like that was an interesting example, like seeing something stopping and, and taking the moment to be mindful about it. Do you usually put the visualization in practice to that way? If something like reminds you of it, or is there something a little bit more, um, like set or structured that helps you kind of put that practice in place? For me, it has to be pretty structured. Um, but like, so, you know, that example I gave, I think I, I, you know, it's having issues with it as far as like, just not feeling um, confident in my training anymore, you know, because of because of the injury. But um, yeah, so I think I had to structure that in where I was like, well, I know I'm gonna be out biking anyway, I'm going to go by this hill that I normally would, you know, mm. I'm used to running it. Um, but I'm going to take the time and stop and like do this visualization practice. Um, you know, I tell people to you know, some of the athletes that recently have been working on that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a, you know, like a meditation type practice, right? Where you take, you got to take just 10 minutes um, or five minutes even at night um, and right, turn the phone off and like, just do it. <laughs> Maybe yeah. set a reminder in your phone, you know, like though that you're like, okay, at 7.30 tonight, I'm going to take five minutes just to do this visualization work. Um, and it could I, be I like, know. yeah, which, you know, it's like that with anything, I guess. But um Right. So if it's somebody who's like, what's it going to feel? I've never gone 60 miles before, you know, and I'm running a hundred mile. I've never gone past 62. Take that time to like visualize what it's going to feel like. Um, you know, my feet are going to be in pain. How am I going to deal with that? Um, you know, to take the five minutes a night to be like, okay, <laughs> what would I do at this point? I like you know. that idea of like being honest with the visualization too. Cause sometimes like when I was younger, I used to try to push, every like negative thought like out and just be like, no, I'm everything that, that comes in is when I like push it out and like be positive about it and not like have like no, yeah. like no weakness, you know, type of thing. Sure. But sure. there is going to be pain and discomfort. Yeah. That is a reality. You can't mentally push that out. And when, if you like, when I would try and then eventually I couldn't continue to push it out, it would just take over then, mm -hmm. you know, like I'd be like, Oh, mm -hmm. this is all too much. And I would have to like, slow down or mm -hmm. stop or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I like the idea of like being honest about that. It's like, Oh, my feet are going to feel awful, but I'm going right. to like kind of need to continue to, to, to push through. Um, and yeah, the routine, the routine of like the mindfulness is just like the ongoing challenge. Do you have a routine? Do you do something every day or do you try? Uh, I mean, lately it's been, um, less of that, like less of the mental stuff and more, um, mobility work. So that's another thing that, mm -hmm. so with our coaching, uh, program, uh, my partner is a physical therapist and she's done a lot of work with Chloe also. And she introduced me actually to Chloe's um, trainings, but so she was prior to that in her own uh, physical therapy practice was incorporating Chloe's um, info. And so we do, a, she does the strength kind of portion of things and mobility. Um, and I do the, the run coach stuff most of the time. And so together we kind of create this holistic idea that um, yeah, you need that stuff that whether it's just literally like doing toe yoga we call it when you like so like right now everybody try to lift just your big toes like in just the big toes and leave the other toes on the ground it's difficult yeah and then no, do I was, just I was, I, was, I was lifting one but i was pushing my big toe down right. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. wrong incorrect yeah okay. <laughs> and now try and lift just the little toes you know so like these sorts of things 
are important because like when you think about the running form and efficiency and like how much recoil energy you get out of each footstep, like the big toe is your toe off point, right? So like mm-hmm. working on these like weird, which is sort of silly, like physical, like PT stuff is important because it does create these neuropathways that make you stronger runner without having to think about it, you know, in the moment. Um, Cause if we had to think about everything we did when we ran, we'd never get anywhere, right? So the body is trainable. You know, and, and and it's a skill. It's not like you know we all know how to run, but we don't all run well, basically. Like and like like how you're saying, like if we, if we don't like, yes, you don't think about everything you're doing as you're running, but also if you're not able to access that motion, you'll run on like without consciousness of like right improper form, right? right? Like you won't be able to move the way that you need to move, and that's how they, like these compensation type of injuries happen. And um, yeah. I, I I love the idea of like that weird little t- mobility stuff. I've been doing stuff with um. Are you familiar with Taylor Cruz? He's like in. He's actually uh not too far from where you are, but he he does oh, some yeah. OCR stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, and um his whole thing is like he does like the joint mobility, and it's like I've felt yeah great with that. like just moving around. And again, it's about it's about the brain, like letting the brain yeah. know that you can move all of these things. Still, there's no reason right. to like shut anything down or create any shell. Like you can move freely, um, yep. just to let your brain know that everything everything is good. It's yeah. good to go. But I was just so say, so more of your practice. Yeah. I've been trying to, you know, really do more of that every day, like before running and even a- and after running, because um, it's obviously the stuff that gets switched to the side for most people, you know, like, and I yeah. think in the traditional sense of um, strength, that's not included, right? Like, um, and, you know, I think there is a place for heavier weight strength training for runners, but I also think it has to be in like combination with these mobility moves so that your body is fluid and you have um yeah full range of motion in your joints like in your shoulders and like stuff that really will make a difference in your rotational um ability you know to get the most out of your body basically you know and and it's interesting like looking at the olympic athletes right like they're all world class like best the best but there's so many different styles of running you know which is really interesting and so it's it's not to say that there's only one best way because you look at two people running next to each other and sprinters who are the best in the world could look totally different right like one is six foot something and one is only five you know and there's like very muscular very thin you know they're it's it's really interesting yeah and it's about like exploring like how your body works best yeah. and it's where i think this mobility stuff is really helpful right like yeah. figuring out where the movement needs to be and like why it's more or less difficult for you than it is for others um but, and i think that only comes with you know if you are sustaining like you get an overuse injury right like maybe there's something we need to look at there as far as your gait, you know, or something like that versus like, it's, if you're a heel striker and you're not getting an injury and you're able to succeed in what you're trying to do, fine. Like nothing wrong with that. You know? Um, I know (laughs) it's like the trickiest thing with, with like, with gait in general. It's like how, like there's, there's no, again, it's like kind of goes back to, we're talking about before how everything goes wrong for somebody a little bit different in ultra running. Yeah. Seems the same way for like gate practice and stuff. It's like, well, how's my running form? It's like, I don't know. It seems all right. <laughs> are you, are right. you getting hurt? Are you feeling like it's hard to, it's I hard mean, to there, really. And it's, and I think it depends on, um, depends on, yeah, what your goals are, right? Like if you are just looking to be able to finish something, we can get you there. Like 
certainly you know if we're if you're um looking to win your age group like that's a bit different if you're looking to win the race overall that's different also you know like um and i think there are different levels and obviously like people have to be realistic with like what they can do and like fit into their lifestyle right like not everybody has the time to like work out in the morning take a nap and eat lunch and work out again in the afternoon right. like you know, like the, it's, it's really difficult. And so finding what makes you feel best, you know, and makes you happy, even if there's some, you know, misery in the middle <laughs> is really what it's all about. Right. Like, um, and misery I shouldn't say, but like, obviously we're all going to experience, yeah. Like the days we don't want to go out the door and like the little things that you're like, Oh, my legs are sore from like, right. That workout yesterday. Like there's, there's different stuff, but it's funny when you mentioned the road, like, cause I did the same thing last year too. I thought about like, Oh, maybe I'll train for a road full marathon with the same, same thought about it. And like, that was actually misery in between that. So right. <laughs> like training for full, for, yeah. for that marathon type of training is, is, yeah, the marathon is hard. I, ha that's why I haven't done one in many years, the road marathon. Cause it's like, you know, this is tough. This is like, it's different, right? Like they each have their, uh, beast of burden, right? Like a hundred versus, uh, road marathon. They're a, super difficult i know because like yeah like that's like where the recoverability like you you can't not do speed work and like right. you can't do lower volume you have to do both and it's just hard. yeah it's hard. <laughs> it just really sucks yeah um so you were talking a little bit about like people's goals you mentioned it, it a little bit in, in passing there and that the like talking about the mobility and, and trying yeah. to improve and you know the the journey of ultra, it is definitely a long endeavor. And one thing that I've found that I wonder if, if it is similar with ultra running, um, is that in, in OCR, people want to come in and they want to see how well they can do. And they, and there's hope for a lot of athletes who may have a background in something that's not endurance because there's other things in just running in it. And like, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're into it. So like, I want to come in and I want to, I want to get on a podium. I want to win an age group or something like that. Yeah. And anymore it's competitive enough that it's unlikely that anyone's going to come into OCR and do well immediately. So it's like, well, maybe you can get there, but it's probably going to take, you know, two or three years or something like that. So laying down a little bit of timeline expectations has been something that I've really had to put a focus on this past couple of months with coaching, just because like, it's a little bit more competitive than it was. And it takes a long time to get good at something and sure. ultra running. I would imagine to get good at that, it's exponentially longer because of all the volume that you need to kind of put in and all the experience you need to gain. So how, how is it like, and do you have those similar type of conversations? Because I could imagine that athletes who they can look at, maybe this is just my perception of it looking in, they can look at ultra running and be like, well, I'm not that fast, but I can really go a long time. So if you, if these races are long enough, I bet I could be really competitive at them. And so are you having to have conversations with athletes about the expectations of how well they they might do with this? And, and because I can't like, cause it has to be a year, years of, an, of commitment to do well on something like this, right? Like you're not going to train for your first hundred K let's say. Sure. And have it go well, <laughs> probably. Well, um, generally speaking. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I guess I, I think it depends on their background, right? Like I certainly, so a lot of the athletes I coach, some of them are like brand new to, um, 
trail running. Maybe they were runners, you know, road runners or, or something like that prior. Um, some folks are finding a coach for the first time because maybe they had an injury and, and keep getting injured and coach themselves. Um, and so a lot of those folks, you know, they just for success for them. And that's what I ask people. It's like, what are you passionate about and would make you happy? And we will mm. do that, you know? So if it's, if it, you know, if it is winning your age group or, or getting on the podium um, in your first race, like that's okay. Let's have that goal. And, you know, I don't want anyone to ever, you know, like sell themselves short or not, um, you know, dream big because you never know. But I think, that being said, like, we're going to lay out and I don't, um, like, I don't do, tr like, I don't lay everything out months in advance for people. Like, I'll, I'll tell them, here's what the blocks are going to be, but it's going to be kind of fluid because life happens. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, but I will say this is going to, you know, this is a lot of work, right? And so if somebody doesn't have an athletic background, though, I'm going to say, yeah, this is going to take longer than maybe we have time for, for this race that you want for it to be. However, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with shooting, you know, above and beyond because you never know. Um, but it's going to be a lot of work. And then, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so, and that's looking right at their lifestyle and, and work schedule. And like, maybe they have ample amount of time work from home and can, and can train, you know, twice a day if they had to, um, you know, that's a different topic, like doubles is different, but, um, yeah, so I think it's just being realistic about the workload that goes into something like that. Um, not saying it's not possible. I'm saying that it's, yeah, this this is definitely possible. The the chance of injury then too, or risk of injury with somebody who's like doesn't have, you know, years of athletic background is certainly there. And so that's where it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is going to be a bit large workload, and then we're going to have to be doing this mobility stuff on top of that to be sure you're not getting injured, right? Like the prehab. Yeah. Right. Which is like more time. Cause that's the other thing right. with, the, with the prehab rehab stuff. Right. It's, just, it's just time. It's not hard. It's not hard. It you know, time. I tell people that too, right? Like I'm like, you may not even sweat in this, you know, little yeah. 20 minute workout, but it's 20 minutes <laughs> that you need to mm -hmm. find in your day to do it. Right. Um, and I have found, and I think that's why for me personally, you know, like that I can like finish and run the last 20 miles of Western States and feeling strong and running uphill still and downhill was because I'm, I'm doing this mobility and prehab work that I probably was not doing before. Um, in addition to doing, you know, I am doing some heavier strength work, um, as well, but I, but that's also like, you want to work that into your schedule far away from a race day so that you're not, you know, overtaxing your system by doing high volume days plus high strength days. Like this is too much, you know? So again, yeah, it's, it's about recoverability, right? Like it's, yeah. it gets closer. You just got to, be able to recover and be ready yeah. to run long, <laughs> run long and run yeah, often. Exactly. Yeah. And that's something too, you know, I think getting a coach because people, um, if you've never thought about it before, right? Like there is a method to the madness as far as like when we prescribe, um, when you do that heavy strength and when you do that mobility work first and your interval session and your long run, right? Like you need to fit these all in and it's all about, yeah, like feeling recovered and getting the most out of, you know, your goal. So if it's, if it's the interval work for that, block like i want you going into that fresh you know i don't want you to like do a long long run or heavy workout and then go do your interval the next day you know like so. yeah totally yeah. um and with uh, this is something i'm curious about with just ultra runners in general and again i'm probably speaking in generalities here but like there is certainly a competitive aspect to ultra running and, and um and even in ocr it's it's similar to this right like the people who are the most competitive are, are probably the smallest in percentage 
where mm-hmm. I feel like an, an ultra runners, like they just, they enjoy running and running through the, the trails in the woods, like more than they like doing other stuff. So like yeah. the competition aspect might not necessarily be the thing that's most present there for them. It's like, so is this, and with, with like the athletes that you coach or something you just found in general with the, with like the community, is it hard to put people on, on like people who are more in it for the enjoyment and maybe rather than the um, competition, is it hard to give them structure? You know, uh, like sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. I think um, kind of, but I feel like I, I think most folks that are signing themselves up for an ultra are pretty motivated. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I find and maybe just the folks that I've, that click, you know, like I always tell folks too, when we start coaching and working together, like if this isn't a good fit, like we'll know pretty quickly, I think. And that's okay. Like the people, you know, you have to kind of get along and fit together nicely and like our communication styles, et cetera. So um, like, I think in our initial conversations, I get to kind of like see into their lifestyle and, and who they are a little bit and kind of find that they, um, you know, what they're going to need to be motivated to do these things. Right. So sometimes like I've had folks who have asked me to text them daily to be like, go to your, go out now and do your run, you know, or like, you know, things like that. And, and I don't mind doing that because it's not everyone that I coach that asked me to do that, you know, but, um, everybody's different. Yeah. It's kind of finding out what they need, I guess, you know, and that's part of the, you know, that's part of my job, right. As the coach is like reading the person and, and figuring it out. Um, totally. You know, like my background, I've always worked in uh, customer service. Like I was a waitress, I was a bartender, I, um, you know, like every job I've done, I'm a nurse now also. Um, and that's customer service too. You know, it's like about making the person feel good. Um, and that's coaching too, you know? Mm, yeah, totally. Think, but Totally. And yeah, that, that makes sense, right? Like everybody might come with it with the same goal of like wanting to complete a certain distance or run a certain distance faster. But like when you really like, dig into it. It's like, Oh, there might be something other here that, that we need to explore. Sure. That might yeah. be your main, that might be the reason why you want to do that, that you might not have overtly thought up front. Um, and I was actually curious about, about that for, for you a little bit mm-hmm. as well, because you came into, um, running a little bit later in life. Like you weren't necessarily mm-hmm. a, a high school or collegiate yeah. running athlete. So, um, what was that process like when you started to really, improve at this. Cause I mean, I feel like a lot of people would use you as an example of like, I think I could be really, I don't necessarily have like this, this pedigree or, or this background that would make me lead to believe that I would be good at longer distance running. Um, mm-hmm. but then you're doing so well. <laughs> so I feel like people will be like, Oh, well, like I feel like I can like strive to be that because I, I might sure. not also have that. So when you were starting to really get good at at this like did you tr- did you get in this with the idea that you wanted to get good at it or you just kind of like wanted no. to explore in the woods yeah 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 no certainly was more wanted to explore in the woods you know i grew up in this area also and spent most of my um like didn't have cable as a kid you know like those sorts of things so we spent a lot of time outside and like um most of what we did like with my family we'd go canoeing or you know so it was like we were an outdoor family um and so in our area here you know that's it's a very rural area but there's a lot of outdoor sport so you you know like if you're gonna live here through the winter you better like to cross-country ski or do you know like you better like something that gets you outside it's gonna be a long winter because we have like five months of winter but um (laughs) (laughs) yeah so 
I think for me personally, like I started to run um, in uh, this, well, the story I tell a lot is I started, I did an AmeriCorps program right out of high school. And so it's a government-based program and they require like physical fitness training. And so we'd run for like 15 minutes though, like a day. And then, mm-hmm. but I was living with 10 other people and, and working with them and traveling with them. So in order to get away from them, I would go run by myself for like an hour. <laughs> and then when I came home back to the Adirondacks, I continued to run, you know, just recreationally for fun and get out on the trail and kind of used it as a escape from most things, honestly. Um, cause I've found, you know, like when I'm out on the trail, I'm only thinking about running. Cause if you kind of let your mind wander too much, you know, you're going to trip and fall over a root or rock or something like that. And so I've used it obviously then in kind of healthy, but unhealthy ways too, to escape thinking about an issue or something. And so mm. I've kind of learned, you know, I've learned how to deal with that and, um, use and still find that I do that though. Like I get in a, an argument with Aaron, maybe I'll just go running, you know, I'm not going to think yeah. about it. Right. Um, but then I end up thinking about it anyway on the run. So it's uh it's an interesting thing, I think. And so when I first got into mountain running, um, some of that was for confidence building, you know, I, um, around here, you know, and again, it's running in quotes because it's <laughs> so technical that it's a lot of um, power hiking, but it made me feel strong and, and confident and that I could do these things that nobody else was doing. And um, it made me, yeah, it made me feel good. So I kept doing it and found that I was good at it. Um, and that somehow, yeah, like, and I, and I'm not sure why, like, I'm not sure why I have the ability to run technical trail well because I'm was not a super like sporty kid but we did do outdoor stuff and um but it does take you know right like coordination and these sorts of things that I guess I'm lucky hereditary wise like there's certainly yeah people are born you know some people that are good at doing these sorts of things I guess but um but yeah I found quickly that I I could do well and also you know like yeah there wasn't a ton of people doing what I was doing so it was like easy for me to do well at it, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, that, that, yeah, that, that's yeah, interesting. So it started as like, but, um, as I say, so it kind of started as like, uh, like mental health. Yeah, reasons, for sure. Right? Just like getting out, getting out of your head. But it's yeah. also interesting because this is something that uh, like I've, I've thought about too. I had a, an injury in the um, winter and, you know, like, and running really has tur- turned that toward the, the mental like stress reliever as well for, for me as it, and the competition part, but it's yeah. like twofold now. And when I was in that, I started thinking when I was injured, I started thinking a lot about like needing to separate the two, the two mm. things like, mm-hmm. and just kind of, you said like, there's a time for it to be helpful, but there's also a time where it might be, uh, you know, kind of maybe masking over something exactly. or glossing over. Sure. So it's interesting that that's good that you, I think that that's good that you're able to like, acknowledge that because some some athletes are just like will steamroll their thoughts with exercise you know yeah i think um you know i think personally and i was recently talking about this with somebody that i think like um like addiction right like i mean like quite a few people who have like um have recovered or or been in a recovery program and then they take to sport for that reason because it kind of fills that um area for their in their lives and i think for me that might be part of it too you know like um there's certainly something addicting about getting out and running this mm-hmm. way, I think consistently. Um, and it's a healthy alternative to what, you know, something else that I could be doing, I suppose. So yeah, I think that's part of it for me too. Um, but yeah, I think being able to, to understand that and yeah, nobody's perfect. Right. We all, <laughs> but it's part of the process, right? It's like learning. And like, I think it, 
like I've definitely learned a lot about myself just being out and running and spending time by myself, right? And like having yeah. those those thoughts and that that time to really maybe not necessarily understand where I'm why I'm thinking or feeling a certain way, but at least it's time. At least it's time mm-hmm. to like explore yeah, those things for sure right there's a reason yeah. they say like sleep on it and that sort of stuff right like i guess that's more like for us it'd be like let's go run on it and then <laughs> think about it some more it's but, so true it just like i think that yeah. sometimes like if i'm if i'm in a bad mood not necessarily I, I won't run necessarily to uh like forget about something i'll run just so chemically things are different yeah. <laughs> it's like i'm one way now yep. when i get back after run things are gonna be a little bit different and usually it works it typically works yeah. no that's very true yeah 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 um so you're, you said you were just out in Colorado doing a little, like it was like yeah. a training trip. Yeah. So, um, my next event is run rabbit run 100, which is on September 17th in steamboat. And so I went out, mm. um, trying, trying to take a little bit of a different approach to this. So, and actually I wanted to mention this too, like, you know, I've been looking at running as, um, and this as, you know, more of a professional aspect, I guess, because for me, right. It did start very recreationally. Um, and as like a, I think I always sort of looked at it as like, this is just something I'm kind of good at and can do. And like, didn't, I mean, I took it seriously, but not to the, like, I never want to put all my eggs in that basket, I guess. Um, and so this approach I'm trying, I am trying to take it pretty seriously, you know, and like do well, I would like to do well at this event. And so for me, um, trying to get out ahead of time and, and run on the course. Um, so I ran pretty much the whole course except for like five miles of it. Um, you know, it was important in trying to get up. I'm, I don't do great at altitude. And so this race is above, it's like average of 9,000, I think. So, um, I was trying to like kind of spur some adaptations by going out for a week. And then, um, I'm going to use some techniques now of the next two weeks before I go back out, um, to try to like keep those adaptations, uh, going hopefully. Can we talk about that? Cause that's one thing. Yeah, Cause I feel like sure. there's, um, you know, like literature on, on the adaptation process at altitude and then like how long those adaptations stick. And it seems to be short, right? Yeah. Like typically if you went, you would need, what do they say? 10 to 14 days to start to get the, the positive adaptation. And they only last for what? Like, it's not very long. I mean, I days. think, yeah, like probably, I would say probably five to seven days on average, uh, for most yeah. people. Um, yeah. So, so that, so that's the thought behind, like, so, so I'm interested on what the thought is behind it, because I mean, there's definitely a familiarity that y- you need to have with how it's going to feel. And I think that would help just yeah. to be at, you said 9,000, that is freaking high, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. really high. It feels way different than 3000, you yeah. know? So yeah. I think that's a huge part of it actually is the, how to, how mentally you'll handle feeling like you can't breathe, right? Like, cause your body mm. is going to increase your respiratory rate and you're going to be like, this seems way, you know, like. Um, perceived exertion is going to feel way harder. Although maybe it's not that much harder on it. It's harder on the body, but maybe it's not that bad. You know, like, again, back to the brain being so powerful, you're going to start telling yourself, this is way too hard. I can't do which I did when I was out there. I had like little mental breakdown on the second, second day when I was over 10,000 feet. And I was like, what am I even doing? Like, I'm, I'm out of shape. This is ridiculous, you know, and then like, went back, ate a pint of ice cream. And the next day was like, okay, like, calm down. (laughs) Not so better. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Right. But and like, you can, you know, there's, there's definitely ways that you can kind of like, you know, that the chambers you can sleep in, um, but that's not like, and you might, and you'll get some of the adaptations in terms of like the physical part of it. But like, you still need to run at altitude to perform well at altitude. I mean, you don't have yeah. to, but it would definitely help. Right. Um, yeah. So there's, So what are you doing to try to keep things going? 
Yeah, so there's, um, like, I, I've also been reading a bunch of literature and research. And so, you know, there's been studies done, you know, early 2000s and, and such on, like, intermittent, intermittent hypoxic training, you know, for athletes. Um, but most of that is trying to get a little bit more fitness out of already elite trained athletes to perform more at sea level. Um, mm. and, you know, so in, you can, you know, supposedly increase your VO2 max by a couple of points if you do these sorts of um you know, training blocks with a mask on a treadmill um, and that sort of thing. So recently, um, which again, that's at, you know, to increase your VO2 at sea level, but it's not going to hurt me to have that sort of adaptation for altitude either. But so my plan is um, Aaron built us a sauna for Western states, actually. So I'm going to continue to do some heat work because um, mm. that does stress the body in similar ways as far as like producing mm -hmm. kind of the hormonal changes that um, altitude would. And then we also recently did pick up a hypoxico tent um, and mass system. So I am hopefully going to set that up after this because um, I got home on Friday. What's today? Monday. So I got home Friday, been using the sauna, um, but I'm going to start doing um, some mask training on our treadmill with that too. And so what I've been reading about is that uh, you know, it doesn't take a ton of time. Like you can do a 20 minute, two, two times a week, 20 minutes of, you know, interval work or something kind of difficult on a treadmill. That's not going to tax you completely, but something that's, you know, um, not just walking on a treadmill for, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, hmm. and that you will see some positive changes from that. So that's my plan. So hopefully that'll help. And, and just to be clear, oh, go, ahead. Go, go ahead, finish that point. I'll just, I was just gonna say, and then um, and then I'll be go going back out two weeks ahead of time. So okay. then I'll be back out in altitude again. You know, um, and that, but yeah, like getting yeah. there ahead of the time of a race obviously is like probably the most intuitive one. But you don't get that much training time. You need to you need to recover right. for your race. So right? that's why I went out last week so that I could take a week of like it. You know, right? Because I don't sleep. You know, I slept terribly. My like my mm. heart rate at night a couple of nights didn't even drop below 70 so that's that's oh, really man. high for me like i yeah. would lay down and i could just like feel my heart like beating in my chest you know so luckily now i have the time like i haven't run in the last couple of days just because i'm letting my body kind of like absorb that and recover um biking you know but like absorb that recover and then i'll yeah you know get back into this next block but and then start to taper so Hopefully it's the right timing. Again, this is sort of a new approach for me to do it this way. Um, and that's all part of it, of ultra training. It's you just got to experiment and see what works. There, it, you know? it seems unlikely that it would hurt right, right. now. Like, it I doesn't, like I, yeah, I do think there is a little um, interesting, like, I don't want to say it's controversy, but I think um, like the t sleeping in the tent, um, a lot of folks would say you don't recover well enough. Uh, right with that. Right. So I think, yeah, I think I could potentially do too much, you know, too, you know, sleeping in the tent, wearing the mask, I could probably could do too much and then not like go into the race feeling terrible and like, you know, just depleted. So I don't want that to happen. So I think there is, you know, yeah. there's a, there is probably a ratio that's, that would be ideal that hopefully I'll hit with, you know, like two twice a week, kind of a an evening double of like doing something on the treadmill that isn't, you know, too bad, but like gives me, yeah. gives me that, that boost. Yeah. I could see how that, you know, if you know, you're living out, living and training in altitude, you just like, it's, it has to be like a super compensation 
that's going to happen, right? You're like there all the time. So your body's just gonna have to work harder to, to, to get you mm-hmm. to that place. But maybe the adaptation just doesn't, it like, it takes way longer if you're doing it in doses, the way that you're going to be doing it. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, what I've read, you know, like the study I read most recently was a six week period. Um, I don't have that long, obviously, cause, um, you know, the month that's about a month away, but, um, you know, so yeah. And those folks did see an increase, but again, their goal was for like a sea level race, but they right. did see, you know, the adaptations they were hoping for versus the control group who didn't use the the mask. So, um, you know, six weeks, is not that long, I think. And then I read it, you know, again, another study, but it was in like rugby players or something where they were doing a four week program um, that was similar, you know, not super taxing, you know, with their power type of sport that they have, it was like very short intervals that they were doing on a treadmill. And I mean, yeah. I could send these links to you if you want to, to, um, yeah, to totally. check them out. But it, it was interesting, you know, like that. And they've been studying this stuff for a long time. Like the, neither of those articles are quite new. They're, you know, from um, the 2000s. So it's pretty interesting. That, to see. Yeah. And that they're, since it's, I mean, it's been, study we're talking about the literature we're talking about the studies but i just i don't think that we completely understand how it works across the board sure yet, you know yeah and like you know getting it, I, are you gonna get blood work done like to yeah. see yeah actually good point so good reminder actually thank you so um yeah I, I probably have some from i guess like right before western states i got some blood work done and i'll, I'll do some again probably this week actually nice. um yeah and, and to kind of like so, yeah, to see what happens. I mean, I felt terrible at, at altitude this last week, but again, like that's normal for me. Um, and so it'd be interesting to see where I am currently. And then hopefully once I come back and kind of after recovery period, see what I am. But, um, you know, another thing I want to mention is like for females, our physiology is quite different also. And so like a lot of these studies are, and they're not done on women. They're done, on, you right. know, like the one I was mentioning is um, college male athletes, you know, like that sort of thing. So it's, um, and that plays a big role too. Like for a female athlete who um, is in their high hormone phase, altitude is going to feel horrendous for them. Mm-hmm. You know, we're already like, um, lower plasma volume, so our uh, respiratory rate and heart rate is increased, you know, regardless of what altitude you're at. Then putting yourself at altitude, you're going to, like, it's, yeah, it's tough. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so, so lots of lots of things to think about there, I guess. But. And I was going to say before, to be clear, when we're talking about the mask on the treadmill, this is actually the mask yeah. that, like, is, like, the alti- like the thing you would sleep with, right, that makes yeah, it yeah. stimulate it's, altitude. It's, connects to a generator to yeah. um mix yeah mix your oxygen for you so not not one of those masks that essentially uh like just makes it harder to breathe it just correct. like limits the amount of oxygen they can get in through the masks you've seen those correct. right like i've seen those they, yeah they, they, they call them altitude training but they're really but they're not. not no really yeah. all those are doing for you um is maybe like increasing your muscular strength in your yes. like like your diaphragm <laughs> diaphragm and lung area and like thoracic area um potentially which i guess but again i don't think it's worth it because your recovery and stress that you're putting on your body to do that stuff is going to limit what you can do in training so i, I would do not yeah. recommend that um, I, yeah they're almost good to do during like mobility drills right like where you're like t- not necessarily taxing yourself so much that it's going to like limit right the amount of work you can do like doing low intensity stuff but yeah if you're doing it on a treadmill your, your run's gonna be worse yeah, it's gonna <laughs> you're not gonna get to the point yeah those right. things and so that's why like the the what i'm gonna be doing um on the treadmill right is with the generator you know like it is i'll i'll, I'll wear an oximeter so that i can see what my current mm. um oxygen status is and then 
yeah, and I will, you know, not do it long enough that it's going to like, you know, because right, there's just a certain amount of like you can take that will help to, um, right, like kick my kidneys into gear to be like, oh, let's produce some more EPO and like get your body feeling better, but it's not going to be enough to like stop me from feeling good the next day, you know, on a run. So. Nice. That'll be cool. And like, so this is definitely an example of you taking it a little bit more serious, like, right? Yeah, like this oh, for is sure. Yeah, for like, sure. This is like, you know, it just goes along with the hard work and racing hard and like thinking about it and like, but this is an extra step, right? Yeah. Like it's something, when did you start? To, is this new? Is this new like this year? Or have you started to kind of take these steps slowly? Or did something happen where you're like, all right, I got to do everything that I can that is feasible within my control to like, um, I think it's like, I mean, I would say the last year and a half, maybe I've kind of looked at it like, cause I think you do reach a level where it's like, yeah, I can continue to, you know, train the way I train, but I don't think it's going to make any, you know, like mm-hmm. I think you can look at it like dietary, you know, nutrition, you like all those things mm-hmm. you can. Um, and again, like you have to be like kind to yourself because you can only do so much. Right. But um, at a certain point, you know, after years of, of training, you do, kind of want to, I personally anyway, want to take it to another level, right? Like take it up a notch. And so, um, and I just am sort of a nerd in that way too, that I think it's just cool to know this information about your own body and how it works Mm and, um, right. To like do a VO2 test just to see, like, doesn't matter. Like the, you know, like those numbers are kind of already hereditarily like ingrained in us. Right. But it would be cool to just do these like guinea pig tests on myself on the treadmill to see if I can't improve it by a point, you know, or like, it's just yeah. kind of, you know, just something different. It helps with the, that's, I justify doing things like that for the coaching, right? Like it's like, yeah. oh, if I can Certainly. completely understand how this like looks, feels and like responds, then like I will feel more comfortable yeah. prescribing it or like help yeah. guiding, guiding people through. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, I think a lot of some of the athletes I certainly coach um, are in it just right more for the mental side we talked about too. But like, I think people are are interested in this, right? And like, it's like inside tracker or any of those things that um, I do think are worth it if you're interested in that, you know, and I think inside tracker can really help folks, especially if if they feel like there's an issue and they're like, my PCP just isn't listening to me. And I because I come from that side too, right of healthcare, where it's yeah, it's really hard sometimes to get somebody to order a full sex panel on you to know what your testosterone is. And, you know, like those sorts of things, like, because that's just how our healthcare system is set up. So it's not super, um, it's very reactionary, I guess, right? Like it doesn't necessarily, they're not going to do anything until there's an issue. So um, something like Inside Tracker can be super beneficial for people. Um, and sometimes, I don't know if you tell your athletes, I'll tell folks if they can to get right blood work done before we start, just as like a baseline. Um, yeah. not, not necessary, but I think kind of cool. Right. And, um, can help you, you know, like, cause I would think it'd be awful to try and start a program and like learn your vitamin D's like in the toilet, you know, like <laughs> not going to help. Right. It's just going to make you feel bad. So, um, knowing that you can at least start including some more dietary stuff or supplement that sort of stuff. Yeah. I've actually just started, uh, I, uh, like working with inside tracker a little bit. I haven't gotten the blood work done yet. I had a lab test like Friday, but I, had to cancel it. So I haven't gotten it done yet. Is that what you're yeah. using? Because that like, yeah, they're doing a nice job of like making it digestible. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Actually, their program um, visually is super nice so that you can see, you know, what your numbers are. And then they provide references for why they recommend a dietary change or a supplement right. or something like that, which is great, I think. Um, 
plus they just give got a good info and then they also you even can make like a shopping list of like what's going to best suit what i need for based on my blood work right so it's super individual um yeah so anti-tracker is great you know if you have a good relationship with your primary care you can also have them order blood work for you you know if it's going to be covered by insurance or something and then upload it into inside tracker um mm. two so that's kind of a cool option i do think there might be like a diy like fee or something so that they do that you know there's a little um, bit yeah yeah but it's still like i think worth it you know yeah for sure and then it, it then well then it stores it right like it's there and if you yeah. get it multiple times you can see how things are in, improving or uh or getting worse over over time yeah um, when you get those things done and I think it's super helpful because like, I guess, yeah, coming from the healthcare side, like, you know, if you look at that range, right, like, and so when I work with um, patients in the hospital, like, yeah, maybe they're, it's normal, like it's within the normal range, but it's not necessarily normal for a female athlete, you know, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and your primary care, if they're not a sports med doc, may not know that, you know, like, it's a great point. It's a great yeah. point. So. Yeah, because there's there's nuance to those things, to those numbers, yeah. and to like the individual. Um, with all those things, I, I think about that with nutrition a lot, right? Like what the advice is for the general public is like not the same for right. an athlete, you know. And, uh, and that, yeah. but the pe most people hear what the general advice is, and like are miss the miss the mark a little bit in terms yeah. of the athletics of things. Yeah. Um, on a similar note, similar product note, I noticed that you had um, used that Super Sapien glucose oh, deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and yeah, tell yeah. us, to, well, real quick, I think that um, for the OCR peeps, that this is something like, I think Ryan Atkins and Lindsay have been yeah. wearing them. There's yep. like that black patch that sits on the back of their tricep, it looks yeah. like. I have one on now, but I have a jacket, a jacket covering it up. So it's um, a uh, live feed glucose monitor that kind of sits. So there is like a little filament that does sit within like inside your skin. So it can read your blood glucose in real, in real time. Um, so super sapiens currently, I think they're available in Europe and they're working on their U S um, permitting and all that sort of USDA stuff. Um, but it's coming soon. So it like, in Europe, you can buy them. Anybody can, I think you still needed maybe, a, I'm not sure exactly how it works over there. So I shouldn't say that I am not an expert, but yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I still think you may need a, like, cause it is a medical product. You still may need like a physician's order, but super safety may have that on staff. I don't know. So regardless, um, they're still in the testing phase for the U S I guess you could say, but so it's what it shows is your live feed glucose, which um, is super interesting. I find again, kind of another step forward, right? And like trying to um, step it up a little bit here where you can either, uh, what I found so far, cause I got it right before Western States. And so I wasn't really gonna change a whole lot right before a huge event like that anyway, but it was confidence building for me to see that. Um, so I'm a tailwind athlete also and that the tailwind was providing enough glucose for me to keep my levels high throughout my runs. Um, mm. So that was great, you know, like, Perfect, which I kind of already knew, I guess, you know, so I shouldn't say it like was like mind blowing, but at the same time, it was good to be like, yes, this is working for me. Um, I, I'm, you know, not bonking. It's keeping my, my blood sugar high. Um, you know, it's also interesting. So like, again, as a female athlete, like that's a very like affects very much. So like what we can access for stored glycogen based on where I am in my hormone phase. So that's been interesting to see. Uh -huh. um, and so you know, with the the glucose monitor, I can kind of say, okay, this is high hormone phase for me. I'm going to, you know, is this product, you know, whatever it is, like a like gel or chew or something going to 
give me enough glucose, you know, at this point to do this workout, you know, that sort of thing. Um, hmm. Yeah. And so and one of the big things too, is like, you're trying to, you know, for the general person, like glucose spikes and variability is terrible for us, right? Like, um, it just creates a lot of inflammation in the body, you know, this things we don't really want. So with this, it's easy to see what like pizza, which we eat like four to five nights a week, I feel like sometimes causes these huge spikes for me, right? So not great. <laughs> um, well, it is the best food. It's the best tasting food. It's great. So uh, yeah. and super easy. Like we make it from, you know, make it at home, but it's like, uh, yeah. So I found, you know, there's some tricks you can do. There's, um, you could, if you eat some vegetables prior to taking in that sort of a carb for me, it'll help stabilize it a little bit better. Um, if you have a little more fat and protein, protein, it helps yeah. stabilize it a little bit better, you know? So, um, it's helping me also with those sort of like general, uh, day-to-day -day nutrition things, not just, um, running nutrition, you know? And that's, it's like, it's like things, again, things you can read, things you could like conceptualize, but until, but you might not necessarily feel it mm -hmm. without like, like just like inherently in your body, like you can't necessarily feel when these things are spiking up and down or whatever, but having like the, the data to kind of back, you'd be like, Oh, this does actually do <laughs> what yeah. I thought it might be doing or it yeah. doesn't. Right. So I, I unfortunately did not have one on me for this trip out West most recently, but I would have been really interested to see how, and I'm, I think I probably wasn't fueling enough. Um, you know, certainly like being at altitude, you have to take in your, so the way your body tries to, um, compensate is your, it kind of diureses. So you start urinating more and that sort of thing. And it would have been interesting for, to see, um, you know, what my, I bet my blood sugar was pretty low. And also then you get like the mental brain fog and like, uh, my mood was low, those sorts of things. And I think that would have shown like low blood sugar in addition, mainly because I just was like, not that hungry and your body, you know, you, you lose your appetite, that sort of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. and you're, I was camping. So it's also like the easiest thing ever. I, you know, it's just <laughs> not eating enough, but, um, totally. totally. so yeah, it's, it's, um, I think it's it's great for that too, and I think uh, it will be in the future. I think they're trying to work with a program like Inside Tracker to tie it all together for folks, which I think would be really really cool. Yeah, just another step, another step of like hopefully getting something that's personalized so that everybody can understand themselves more instead of like again taking the the general advice that most people get or trying nutrition that worked for other people and they might not necessarily know. So it seems like a cool thing. I hope like, I hope that it's accurate. I hope that it's good. Yeah. You no, know? I, and I do think it is, you know, I think, um, cause I have a friend, uh, a pair of twins who are type one diabetics and they have glucose monitors, um, that obviously then like similar ideas, Bluetooth with, uh, like a insulin pump that then like gives them their right. insulin that they need. And so like these things have to be like in incredibly accurate, right. To, um, it's like life or death. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. is, you know, so like, because if you overdose yourself on insulin, like that's a, that's a big problem. <laughs> so, yeah, not good. so <laughs> like these things are, uh, yeah, they, they have to be incredibly accurate. And I think, um, yeah, so personally, it's, I found it uh, very interesting to see how I react more to my everyday nutrition, because I, I, I think it's becomes apparent quickly, if you're considering like during an, an event or training, um, like, God, I felt awful. Well, yeah, it's because I tried this gel or something that, you know, really didn't work for me or I didn't eat every 30 minutes like I was supposed to. Um, 
like if you think about it, I think that things those things come to mind pretty quickly because see, there's only so many variables within an event. But um, for me, yeah, it's more the like day to day and like for recovery. I found it really interesting mm-hmm. after Western States having the monitor on to see what my sugar was doing, too. After an event like that, like something that is yeah. so like damaging, yeah, yeah that'd be yeah. cool. It'd be kind of cool to see like what's going on inside yeah. there. <laughs> it's like yeah. how's everything working? Are we alright? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, uh, well, cool. So. Uh, this is super interesting. I'm, I'm, I got to run here in a little bit. So where um, where can people find you? They want to reach out about coaching. It sounds like you got some, you guys seem like you have some really cool offers um, and like the partnerships that you got that you guys have with you and, yeah. your, and your other coaches seems seems great. Where where can people find you? So um, our website is easternmountainendurance.com. Um, and then I'm on Instagram. It's just Sarah Kai's Runs. Um, I think that's also Facebook. I'm trying to think what the Facebook is. I don't use it that much, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, same. And same with, I think, I don't know if I Twitter, not very often, but so <laughs> probably Instagram or the, uh, the website. Um, and I would like to say too, like, I think with coaches, like if you're a new athlete looking for a coach, like it's good to have all of these people in your corner, right? Like I'm not a certified dietitian, you know, like I can give mm-hmm. you some recommendations, but I don't, yeah, I, that's not my expertise, right? Like I do the running plan stuff. And then that's why I, Hillary bringing her in with the physical therapy um, and the strength and mobility, like she's the expert there, you know, like I'm not going to claim to be that. And I think, um, you know, when folks are looking for coaches, like it's good to ask those questions, you know, about, um, you know, their background and stuff, but to know like, it's okay to also search out a nutritionist or dietitian who, who you, totally. love, you know, um, and a good coach should tell you to do that, I guess. Is also part of the thing. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're part as coaches. Like we're like part of the puzzle, right? We're not yeah, the cover. All, certainly. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, all. you know, or like, um, yeah, like I've actually worked with like a, uh, a sports psychologist, you know, like, mm-hmm. Uh, that's not my forte, but I can give you some cool things to think about, you know, but at the same time, like I would also recommend some other folks to do that with you, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I'll make sure to link to everything on in the show notes so people can, okay. can get a good place to find it. And when's uh, the next race is that the one at steamboat? Yeah. Run rabbit run in steamboat. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What else you got? What, yeah. what other, things for the year I don't is that going to be kind of like the last that one might be it i don't know we'll see um aaron's trying to get me to do some sort of obstacle course race so are you maybe, serious maybe we'll see <laughs> what, what, what <laughs> or at least what, what maybe... the, when's the steamboat race the run rabbit um september 17th yeah okay um yeah i don't know which <laughs> i know and in new york i mean the vernon race isn't it's in the what that's october or something I... the one in north jersey Oh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's a good one to try. I don't know. I will there, see. We'll see. There's but, a beast and an ultra. I don't know. <laughs> but also now there's the runs, right? So there's the the Spart like the Spartan Trail and like these other um I know, but right, like so it's interesting, like I could go, you know, and he could do a race and I could do the trail run it would be kind of That's fun. true. You could you could but, share the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I think it would it would be kind of cool to try an obstacle race just to uh try something different at some point. But just to feel we'll it. See. Yeah. It's yeah. just fun. It's we'll all fun. I, got, I think I work on some grip strength first before I do anything like that. But Aaron, Aaron, Aaron will teach you. I would love this. I would love uh, <laughs> yeah. get like, I feel like Aaron's advice if, as a coach would always just be like, just don't be a puss. You'll be fine. <laughs> no, I mean, that. so he, and again, so Aaron's coaching uh, some OCR athletes now too, through, uh, through Eastern Mountain Endurance. And um, yeah, so he works, you know, and works those drills in like, those are like, again, like talking about skill and drills and doing these things like that's part of, um, 
that sort of like expertise, right? Like totally knowing how to do that stuff. So, yeah. And he is one, he is one of the best obstacle, like proficient athletes in the sport. So it'd yep. be cool to kind of, kind of be able to pick his brain on stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Awesome, Sarah. Well, again, I'll, I'll link to everything and I appreciate you great. taking the time. So I'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks.